0: In this chapter of the book of Joshua, chapter 3, what lies before Joshua and the people of God in these verses is not so much a testing of faith, but a glorious opportunity for the exercising of faith in the living God. And it tells us there, right at the very beginning, and Joshua rose early In the morning. It seems that this was a habit that Joshua had. We read in chapter 6 and verse 12, and Joshua rose early in the morning. We read in chapter 7 and verse 16, and so Joshua rose up early in the morning. And in chapter 8 and verse 10, And Joshua rose up early in the morning. It's a good thing, isn't it? It's a good scriptural principle to arise early in the morning. I personally find that the earlier I get up, the more I get done. It's amazing what one can get done early in the morning, especially it's probably quieter in some places at that time. But it's a good thing, because once, if we let the morning go, the early morning go, it's catch-up for the rest of the day, or can be. And there's one thing we see about Joshua. He's not lazy. He doesn't lie in bed. He doesn't wait for someone to bring him a cup of tea. He gets up early and gets on with his ministry. You see, Joshua's heart is right in his ministry. Joshua's heart is in his service for the Lord, as should indeed ours be. Now, at this time, if you like, at the beginning of chapter 3, the the place where the people of God are gathered is roughly about 8 miles from the River Jordan. They had lodged there at night, and it's quite ov- obvious why they did. They lodged there at night so they could cross over in the day. And also, crossing in the day, the, the miracle of the water flow ceasing would be evident and obvious to all if they travelled over at night Some may see it, may just see a a form of it. But travelling over in the day, they'll all see it. Every person that crosses over will see, hey, the Lord has miraculously held back this water, and they're actually crossing on dry ground. It would be unquestionable. No one could say, well, I think, did you imagine it? Were you dreaming because you went over it? No, no. We went over in the day. We saw the water stacked up. And so they are to move. And they go eventually and come to the River Jordan. And what they do is they proceed along a path of duty, if you like, so far as they're able to. But they have to rely and do rely on the Lord's continuing grace to keep that path open for them. In other words, they go forward in faith, as do we. We have many things ahead of us, as individuals, as a church, challenges and situations. We go forward in faith. We walk by faith, don't we? We don't walk by sight. And uh, three days. It came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host. Earlier, we would have read in the uh, book of Joshua how the uh, spies had returned on the third day with their report. And Joshua makes the proclamation The people are to strike or take down their tents and begin the march to the river Jordan. And it tells us there that um, the officers went through the host, and they commanded the people saying what they did say. They're going around giving particular instructions, particular directions. Three days which will impress upon the people their total helplessness. How are they going to cross the river? Remember, well, we'll come to it. The river is in flood. It's not some trickling stream. It's not the river Cookmere. It's a river that's in flood. How on earth will they cross it? And they will see. There's only one way. We need the help of the Lord. How hey, are we going to cope with all the things that are going on in our lives? We need the help of the Lord. And they're talking there about the ark. When you see the this is verse three. When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it. Then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. And of course, in this particular time, the ark was, if you like, the authoritative symbol of the divine presence. And the commands of these officers, they, weren't, uh, they didn't have a chit-chat and have a, a decide what to say themselves. They were given out in Joshua's name. Joshua is the leader. Joshua is the man in control. Joshua has the authority. And like a good man who's in control, he has trusted others that they will carry on and do that. He tells them to go and tell the people these instructions, and that's exactly what they do. And the priests were called upon to serve at solemn occasions such as we have one before us here. And basically, the people are to follow the ark towards the Jordan River. The ark is going in front. And basically, as they get nearer the river, they'll begin to see the problem of how they're going to get across. But what they're to do is this. Don't look at the river look at the ark remember Peter walking on the water until he started looking at the waves and he heard the wind and then he began to sink because he took his eyes off the Lord Jesus Christ if he had kept his eyes on Christ I'm sure Peter could have walked to him but he didn't Lord save me and the Lord graciously pulls him up out of the water Look to the Lord. Don't look at the problem. Don't look at the situation. Look to the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at the problems and we're finished. Look to the Lord. We go forward. And the presence of the ark gave to the people of God here the knowledge that they were having spiritual help. And it was a pledge, if you like, of divine presence. It talks about there the space of 2,000 cubits by measure. A cubit is 18 inches. I can't tell you what that is in metric, but it's 18 inches in old measurement. And 2,000 cubits equals 3,000 feet. And many would say, and I would suggest this, that the ark, if you sent, in a sense, is an object lesson of the Lord Jesus Christ. It led on and it made a way through and across the Jordan River. Indeed, it led the people of God to the possession of the promised land. And one day, the Lord himself will lead all his people to the promised land, glory. And Christ leads us through our earthly pilgrimage. We must never, ever forget that. He, he leads us through, and thence, to our heavenly heritage. We read in... Um, Hebrews, and chapter 12, and verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, that's the key of a successful Christian life. It doesn't really need any more, does it? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's where we look. The right hand of the throne of God to our Lord and our Saviour. Seeing that ark gave people great assurance for a safe passage. The ark was their visible guide. And because of that distance and everything else, no one was going to be able to obscure the view of anyone else. Every one of them could see the ark before them. And they showed reverence to God's presence, as I say, symbolized by the ark. talks about there that they are to, um, to wash their clothes and, and, and to wash themselves. They were to abstain from things that would distract them. Sanctification was necessary because the Lord was about to work miraculously among them. And as I say, it will give evidence to the people of the Lord's presence with Joshua. Sanctified both in soul and in body. And then the people will be prepared for what the Lord is going to do for them. They needed to be in the right condition as the Lord was about to appear on their behalf. And that's true for us. We need to be in a right spiritual condition with the Lord, with our brothers and sisters in Christ, And then the Lord will graciously use us. But he won't use soiled, dirty vessels at all. And how important it is to be in that right condition before the Lord. For ourselves, there's need for diligent preparation for worship. It's so easy, isn't it, just to turn up without any thought beforehand, without any prayer, without anything like that. But we shouldn't do that. Every bit of worship and service we do for the Lord, we should prepare for and ask him. We need dedication for the Lord. There's a need for sanctification in practical ways as we seek to separate from worldliness. See, notice the positive confidence there is in Joshua. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day I will begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be for you. Joshua's got no doubt, I'm sure, in his mind, that the Lord is going to perform a miracle on behalf of his people. The instructions are given to the priests. They are to put the ark upon their shoulders. Notice they are before the people. They're not among the people. They are before the people. And indeed for them, it's also a test, is it not, of their faith and their courage. And here they have an opportunity to set an example of obedience, an example of faith, an example of patience, and an example of total confidence in the Lord God. As I say, the Lord does Joshua honor as similar as he did to Moses in Exodus chapter 19. The Lord gives Joshua, if you want to call it, high credit in the sight of the people. His authority is established and obedience to him as leader is secured. God will honour Joshua as Joshua honours him. God will honour us as we honour him. And the priest's are those that go in first with the ark. They go to the very edge of the river. Then they are to walk into the middle of the river. And I say, this is not like a paddle on Eastbourne Beach. They're going, as they walk, they would go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into the river. It is a test of their trust In the Lord. A testing of their faith and a test of their obedience for these men. We have to remember that the river was swollen and dangerous, and uh, the water stopped flowing. The ground became dry. It's interesting. I, I just thought about this when I was reading through this. If someone was to come in here now and, and throw a bucket of water on the floor, how long would it take to dry? And yet, when this water was stopped, the drain was dry immediately. And the whole camp passes over. All the time they're keeping their right distance from the ark. So it must be quite a big area that became dry. And as we serve Christ, we too, our faith too, will be tested. And verse 9. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither and hear the words of the Lord your God. Joshua instructs the people to come to a place of public assembly. Hear what the Lord is saying. The Lord is omnipotent. He is the the head of heaven and earth and all creation. And he is your God, and he is our God here this evening. And he has such tender affection for his people. Listen to the word of God. And in our place, our churches today, we have to be so aware, or beware, shall I say, of the pulling down of preaching, of shoving the pulpit to one side, diminishing the place of preaching. The introduction, I think it's called the sermonette, and the accent upon worship, and so on. You see, it would be so easy, wouldn't it? It's so easy for some of the people to become discouraged. You know, you're walking along, and suddenly you see this massive amount of water. Such a need for assurance of the presence and the help of the Lord. And there are times that, when we get discouraged, I'm sure we do, We need to look for the presence of the Lord with us. And Joshua, you see, was an example. He was an example of God's presence and power as proof that the Lord will defeat all their enemies. And the drawing up of the River Jordan would be a sign that the Lord was with them. And he would continue to be with them. And this is the presence of the Lord that will drive out the Canaanites. He gives an assurance of conquest of the seven nations in Canaan. There in verse 10. And we read in um, Philippians chapter 1 in verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of of Christ Jesus. The prospect was one of conflict, of course, but also of victory. The iniquity of the inhabitants of this land was full. They were guilty of gross immorality, guilty of false worship, and the Lord will have no compromise with spiritual evil. The living God as opposed to the dead and senseless gods of the nations. He is the God of life and power and activity, and he watches over his people. As I say, the living God, in contrast to the inanimate idols of the Canaanites, and today... We are truly blessed, are we not, to worship the living God through the Lord Jesus Christ? And what do we contrast that to, to the modern idols of today? We too must act with total confidence in the Lord. We must tender exact obedience to the Lord. We must be subject to the Lord Jesus Christ in all things. We must rely on God's almighty power to sustain us and use us. And uh, in verse 11, it says, Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passes before you into Jordan. All centering, as I say, on the ark. The ark was that sign that God was going before his people to lead them against their enemies. And yes, the ark had to go in front of the people. The ark will be their guide. And then Joshua instructs 12 men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every tribe a man. 12 men, one from each tribe. And uh, they're to to collect stones, aren't they? They they? They would be witnesses of what was going to happen. The people would be able to watch those twelve walk into the river. And the flood of the river would be then ceased again. They go to within a yard of the river. And still the water flowed. But as soon as their feet touched the edge of the water, the waters began to be held back It's as though the Lord himself had stood there in the water. Well, he was in a spiritual sense. You see, the waters didn't overflow. They were held back. There's a huge difference. And this was witnessed by the whole nation. A severe test of faith and obedience. Seeing the removal of such a barrier. Everyone passed over dry shod. And when they'd all crossed over and all this was done, the river returned to normal. And uh, it talks about at that time. It was spring. The river would have been in spate. The snow on Mount Lebanon would be melting. And this is the source, of course, of the River Jordan. The time was when the river was at its broadest and deepest and we read in uh, one Chronicles chapter twelve and verse fifteen These are they that went over the Jordan in the first month when it had overflown all his banks and they put flight all of them of the valleys both towards east and toward the west. Everything happened just as Joshua said it would the flow of the river was increasing greatly by the melting snow in the mountains. There would indeed be a strong flow or current at the crossing. And it would have been a long way to cross because of the extra water. And as they advanced the mid-channel, the river just dried up before them. And it talks about harvest. It was the barley harvest. A month later, we can read all this in the book of Ruth, it would be the wheat harvest. And the flax ripened at the same time as the barley. We read about that in Joshua too. The power of God gave a contrary direction to the flow or current of the water. The water's were stopped in their course at that particular place and kept at a distance from the people as they passed over. This water flowing from the mountains was, if you like, supernaturally dammed. And the Dane flowing torrent was supernaturally stopped. And the priests, of course, are in mid-channel. They didn't move until the whole camp had crossed over. Someone records about 600,000 men plus women and children. They stand firm and they stand still until all the people had crossed over. Again, what a test of these priests' obedience and faith sometimes the lord is going to call us into situations that we feel so totally utterly inadequate for and yet if the lord is with us the lord will enable us in all these things you see at this time maybe for people here this evening we do have a river to cross it's not the river jordan And it's not the river Cookmere. But we do have a river to cross. For some it may be a river to glory. It may be other things. Many of us, I'm sure, have a problem or even problems to face. And maybe... The Lord is saying to one, some of us, other believers, so that you can cross the Jordan to glory. And for the mo- this moment, this evening, as and shortly, we're going to go back into the world, back into what the world is going to throw at us, back into the world where people have no understanding of what we believe, no understanding to a, a nation that is godless to a society that is godless we're going back into it and what we need to do as we walk out that door is keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and tomorrow morning when you wake up keep your eyes fixed on Jesus all through the day all through the night Tuesday and Wednesday Thursday, Friday, Saturday next Lord's Day and so on and so on fixed on Jesus and look forward to that day when he says come home and we cross the Jordan for the last time let's pray together Our dear, gracious Lord and heavenly Father, we do indeed thank you for this wonderful passage of Scripture. Thank you, Lord, for the wonderful miracle that you performed in stopping the flow of water. Help us, Lord, as we seek to serve you, that we would be obedient, full of faith, full of trust, full of desire to serve you. And may we continually look to the Lord Jesus Christ, May we keep our eyes fixed on him. And we ask for your gracious help, your gracious blessing in these days. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Our final hymn is number 681. Loving shepherd of thy sheep, keep me now in safety keep nothing can thy power withstand none can pluck me from thy hand number 681 Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant make us perfect in every good work to do his will working in us that which is well pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory for ever and ever Amen